I find it uh, very stimulating mentally. It's very uh, complex. Things are always changing. I find it to be very an intelligent sport, shall we say. I get more gratification from this, I think, than doing most other things. I really love doing charts. There's just nothing more stimulating. If there ever was a success story that epitomized the riches gained by the most aggressive traders during the dot-com NASDAQ stock market bubble of 1998 to 2000, it was Dan Zangers. Letting it all ride, fully margined, in the highest beta names of the day allowed Zanger to turn $11,000 into multi-millions in less than two years. But it wasn't instant success for Zanger. The $11,000 his epic run started with was all he had left after getting decimated in a 1997 market break, which resulted in him having to sell his car to meet a margin call. Determined to, quote, never let them get me again, Zanger carefully plotted his comeback and began edging back into the market in 1998, all the while running a fledgling pool installation business full-time. While traveling from job site to job site to check on his ongoing projects, Zanger carried with him a quoting device with a three-foot antenna to be alerted to stocks moving through execution targets and a brick Gordon Gecko-like cell phone to call in his orders. Crazy! His story is both amazing and truly inspiring. Please enjoy my chat with Dan Zanger. Are you talking to me right now from your yacht? Oh, I gave that up about eight, nine years ago. Oh, you did? Thank okay. God I did. You couldn't give it away. Um, I sold it right before the market collapsed. And uh, so, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm here in Miami. I'm in my apartment here and uh, just, uh, you know, taking it easy here. Uh, got the housekeeper working, and so it may be a little noise in the background. So. Oh, no worries. Well, you know, Dan, I started trading in the late 90s. I know uh, you had been trading for probably a decade or more before that, but uh, mm-hmm. but you hit your stride right about the time when I started trading. Okay. Um, and so your name had been bandied around a bit uh, amongst my trading peers. Uh, so I had heard a little bit about uh, the amazing run that you had uh, during the dot-com run. But, you know, I feel like the stuff that I've read, I've, I've read about it on the Internet. And, you know, sometimes the Internet is not the most uh, authentic voice for things that. Uh... Well, well, the more they can trash you, the more they think that you they are looking better. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, you haven't achieved anything, any, anything in this world if you haven't been uh, the target of hate on the Internet. Right. Isn't that isn't that the truth? It's the sad truth. That's that's unfortunate. Um, but I, I would love to learn a little bit more about um, the quote-unquote world record run that you had in the late 90s where, um, if, I, if I remember correctly, I read somewhere that you had started with a, an $11,000 account and turned that into multi-millions. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. I actually started uh, when my mother passed away. She left me $100,000. That was around 1990. And uh, I, I uh, uh, went to a William O'Neill course you know, back then there was maybe 50 people and he was just starting his paper and I was being trained, I was, you know, I wasn't being trained by him. I was at- watching a guy in KWHY TV in-, in LA. We had an all stock channel back then and at the end of the show, Gene Morgan came on with this program called Charting the Market and, you know, that got me interested. He would show charts, how, how you know, how patterns foretold the future movement of stocks cup and handles, channels, parabolic curves, uh, wedges, flags, pennants, you name it. 
uh, you know, I really got uh, very excited about that, but I had no money to invest. But when my mom passed away, she left me 100000 I I said, well, you know, I don't want to blow it, so I'm going to go take this course by William O'Neill. In L.A., it was like 550 bucks back then, and, and uh, when I walked out, I knew nothing of what he said. I forgot everything in the entire seminar, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I really knew nothing going in. There was no internet to really do any research or anything. Sure. Um, there was no no one doing a newsletter marking up charts for you back then, so you were on your own. Um, anyway, I walked out with absolutely uh, no knowledge of what was going on, and I. But he did. Uh, the only thing I really remember in the entire seminar was that if you do your homework, you'll make more money than you ever know what to do with. And I, that was so. I said, "Well, I'm going to start doing my homework," and you know, I got some uh, my AIQ chart program. I, I had the uh, book from his show, and I would try to match up the winning. Uh, stocks to charts that were current and you know finally I found one Thorn Apple Valley a pork producer of all things but it had big earnings it went from 20 to 36 on me and I just started getting one winner after the next it was the start of the new bull market in 91 and I quickly turned 100k into 440 wow and uh, 440,000 and uh, so after that I spent the next six years losing all of it (laughs) I've been, I've been there, my friend. I've been there. <laughs> it, it, it was just amazing. You know, the market just never came back as strong as it was. I got uh, too much into belief mechanisms instead of my stops. And I had a lot of stocks that just collapsed out of the blue. There were 27 one day, $6 the next, $35, 22 the next, or two days later. And I, I didn't really understand how vicious and dangerous the market can be, how quickly stops can just stocks can just plunge so I chipped it away and uh, then uh, there was this new uh, company that came out which I won't I won't name but they bought out my brokerage company took over my account and when the market got really busy on a market break in 1997 I couldn't get on the phone to sell my stocks and I was on margin I actually wound up going broke um, when they uh, couldn't take my call I had all these stocks in margin and it was a vicious break in 97. So I sold my Porsche for 11000 I owed my broker $225. Things went, you know, when you're on margin and, and, and things get cut in half or more, you, you wind up owing your broker. So I owed him $225. I gave him the 11000 and he repaid the uh, two twenty five. So I left me with 10775 and, uh, you know, I just had to sit for a while. It took about four to six months by the time I got all the cash in there. That's when the Internet bubble started. Um, you know, I, I quickly went, you know, by this time, I, I, I would never believe in stocks ever again. Right. Only, only believe in my stops. And I would never take a loss ever on a stock again. That was my new mantra. So you had, at this point, you had been trading for, uh, if I'm doing my math correct, about 13 years. Is that right? 15 years? Um, yeah. Actually, I've made my first trade around 1981 or so, 82-ish, maybe 83 right in there. And I turned a little uh, $1 stock into 350 But then I had no more money to continue. And, and I started uh, my swimming pool business, or it was still underway, but I had no time. But I always watched the market. Okay. Uh, still reading the, the stock uh, charts every week and stuff like that, but I just wasn't doing any trading. But I didn't really start trading until my mom passed away and left me the 100000 Then I, the uh, economy in Los Angeles had collapsed. Uh, I had the money. I took the seminar. So I started basically trading full-time at that point, but in my little truck. 
with my cell phone. <laughs> How old were you at that time? Uh, I, I was probably uh, 30, 38 years old probably when I really started. Give or take 15 years or so before uh, the big run that, that, that we'll eventually talk about. But you had 15 years of experience, give or take, and you had a great run in the beginning. You had quadrupled your money, right. but then spent a lot of time fittering it away and basically in a position where yep. you had to sell your car and, and start over. And uh, That's correct. So, man. But the determination to never quit was so ingrained in me and that they will never get me again. I think that you, you really, for me, it was a turning point. Had I not had that happen, I would not be, people say I'm cold as ice when it comes to the market. You know, I, I just, I would rather stop out of a stock prematurely uh, if it starts to get a little funky than, you know, either take a break. And many times I get stopped out prematurely and the stock continues to run. Um, but, you know, there's nothing worse than getting chopped up like I did previously. And I have just decided, you know, they will never get me again. So as you're as you're getting chopped up and grinded out for for years now, I mean, where where did you where do you think that you found that fortitude to really uh, to believe that this is something that you can master at some point if you put in enough work? Like, where did you find that drive? Boy, um, well, you know, I I think that uh, I got the drive many years ago when I, I realized that. No one was ever going to give me a dime for anything and that I, the, you know, survival of the fittest and that you're either going to live on the wrong side of town or you're going to live on the right side of town. And it's all up to you what, which side of town you want to live on. And I was determined. I, I came, my, my, my dad was a physician. We lived rather well growing up. Knowing that during the pool business, I, I had no money to afford hardly anything. Um, and, and I was tired of that. And for me to, um, you know, I knew that you can make it in the market, but, you know, the market is a game. You know, the, the market is here to take your money. It's not here to hand you a check. And once that became very clear to me, I, I just would, I, I would never let them get me again. So uh, you mentioned earlier that you're living in Miami now. Are you, have you from Miami? No, I'm from, uh, I'm from L.A. And then I moved to Seattle. Uh, Seattle was too cold and dark. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, someone said, why don't you try Miami? So I came and visited here. I said, I can, I can live with this, you know, start working at 930. I live on the beach. I said, you know, it's uh, not, uh, you know, what's not to like about it. So uh, I moved here permanently like 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah, I lived in Tampa from 98 to 03. And that's where I started trading. So I, I can relate. It's a good lifestyle down there. It's not too bad. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's better when you have a big yacht. And, you, know, <laughs> you know, you've got your jet skis and everything, you know. But I, I've given all that stuff up these days uh, more into uh, uh, the net jet scene, I think. You know, and getting to a place is faster, so to speak. So that, that's my lifestyle at this point. Um, but uh, anyway, getting back to the trading, you know, that's when the Internet bubble hit. It was 1998. I had uh, a, a fresh mindset. I, I had learned charts uh key reversal bars, you know, positive patterns, um, you know, when stocks explode, they, that's the one to be in. I had a, uh, before there was a, uh, before there was even a personal assistant device, a PDA, I think they call them, um, or an iPhone, I had a little quote track phone, uh, radio receiver and you would plug in the stock. You know, you'd, you could put in 30 or 40 stocks and only that one stock that was being run 
excessively was popping up on your screen. Only one stock would be on your screen at the time. It had a three-foot antenna connected to an FM radio wave. So when I was driving around in the pool business, I, ha I was watching that. It was on the top of my dashboard, and I could see which stocks were being hit. So I, I knew which stocks were being run. So I knew to load up on that one stock right then and there. So the beginning of your run began while you were still running your pool business? Absolutely. Oh, wow. So you were not you were not sitting in a computer all day, grinding it out, banging keys in, in and out of trades. You were washing pools a, and <laughs> driving trucks. I was actually uh, a contractor. I was a builder and, and built a lot of pools. And I was a builder. I wasn't, I wasn't a cleaner. Gotcha. We built a lot of pools in Beverly Hills, Pacific Palisades, Hollywood Hills, you know, Pasadena, Agora Hills, and stuff like that. So I was I had a route because I had a lot of employees we had, where I built a, quite a few large pools during the year. So during the day I would drive from pool to pool checking on my job and making sure concrete's flowing and gunite is going and all this other stuff. And uh meantime I had a cell phone, a rather large cell phone. <laughs> Back then they were quite huge with my my little receiver, my radio receiver from uh from East Signal, it's called the Quote Track and uh I, I was watching stocks and making trades from my, my little Toyota truck as I drove from job to job. And that's how I learned um, basically, you know, uh, a stock hits a buy point. You, they either show up and buy it and they run it or no one shows up at all. And then, you know, to avoid the stock. So I, I started to really learn, um, you know, technical, um, you know, areas, you know, and if a stock hits a technical area and they start to run it, you know, you know it's the right time to buy, and you know if it hits a technical area, a buy area, and no one shows up to, to bid the stock up, it's, it's worthless. Sure. So why, why even buy it if no one shows up to, to, to run the stock? So I wound up just being in these stocks that were being run all the time. Um, it was rather easy to find them, I must say. It's unfortunate that the Internet has killed that device, and there's nothing quite like I'm it. I'm curious to know what your coworkers thought of you uh, when you were out on a job site and you're lugging around this uh, this little box with a three foot antenna. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one had any clue. It's uh, you know, even when I was back home, I had a Bonneville before there was the internet. You there was no bandwidth, uh, so you had to have a satellite dish uh, getting uh, real time stock feeds on your BMI uh, system from uh, DTN, and uh, it was all DOS. Based back then so people thought it was pretty goofy they didn't understand it nor did they care to understand it they still even even today i bring people over who are friends they sit in and they watch me and they still seem distant from it all they just don't seem to have a connection to trading stocks and charts and the behavior and everything it's, it's something it's just you really have to want to learn understand it yeah but i mean you know everybody out there loves the idea uh, the fantasy of coming to the stock market and making uh, a boatload of money uh, with very minimal effort but uh, as you and i know the reality is uh, it's a lot of work it's a lot of mundane work uh, and a lot of people just don't understand it they think they do but they don't they don't want to put the time in you're right it's mundane it's it's uh, for me i go through the charts like this weekend here i went through the charts i must have spent I don't know, eight, 10 hours this weekend just scrolling through charts, various charts, all different types of time frames, formats, different chart programs to get different looks on charts. And, um, it, you know, you really, it takes a lot of homework to, to be prepared. What does that say about guys like us that uh, find that to be fun and engaging on a weekend? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, um, 
it's hard to say exactly what it what it is. I guess it's a, you're you're somewhat. Uh, for me, I kind of feel like I'm somewhat of a recluse in some way. Um, I find it uh, very stimulating mentally. Um, it's very uh, complex. Things are always changing. Um, I find it to be very an, an intelligent sport, shall we say? Sure. <laughs> so I, I, I get more gratification from this, I think, than doing most uh, most other things. I, I do like taking a boat ride, a jet ride, you know, on a private. But uh, I really love doing charts. It's just nothing more stimulating. Now, Dan, have you always been an independent trader, or have you ever worked uh, at any fund or prop shop or anything like that? I've always I've always been independent, um, I, and I've never wanted to work for anybody else. And the only time I ever want I wanted to was really before I got going on my own. I I never wear a suit or anything. I think I went down to Smith Barney or something over in Century City and filled out an application. It just looked like a you know somebody who could not have been more out of place, and <laughs> they never even they never even called me back. So, and, and I'm really thankful that they did because that really gave me the spare time to really focus in on, on trading and, and, and interpreting charts. And of course, when I was walking through the uh, building there, everybody's in their little booth making, you know, uh, cold calls to try and get customers. So for me, it probably really w- wouldn't have worked out. So um, yeah, it's and it's, it's fortunate because uh, who knows where your career trajectory would have taken you had you uh, been called back for that job that at the time seemed interesting to you. It did. Actually, when they said, why did you want to work here? I said, because uh, the market is a little slow right now and things are kind of boring. I don't think that went over kind of big with them. So (laughs) (laughs) it it is what it is. You know, Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, things happen in life. You take turns that, you know, work out for the best. All right. So, Dan, is it fair to say that the the run that you had that we'll talk about here that is the the world record run of – uh, was it twenty one thousand percent gain you had on your account? Is it am I ball? Uh, hundred hundred sixty seven thousand percent from low to high. <laughs> that is mind boggling. Uh, yeah, that's what Fortune magazine wrote about in their uh, December two thousand article, which you can find on my website at chartpattern dot com. But they wrote, and the article is on my website. Uh, you know how there was five or six people that had outstanding runs during the internet period, and I had by far the largest. Uh, no one's ever come forward with anything uh, that compares and there may be but they've never come forward so you know as far as I concern unless they do I must have the world's record so at that kind of return over uh, like an 18 month period of time it's it's quite staggering and it is quite uh, staggering and this and this began while you were still running your pool business right and driving my uh, driving my truck wow this is during the day. This is blowing my mind. See, I did not know this angle of the story. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have enough money to quit the pool business until I cleared my first million. Right. I still had jobs going, workers going. I still had to visit. And at that point, when I first cleared my first million, and then I decided, you know, I should probably start winding down the pool business. And then a million turned into eight pretty quick. Um, and then I knew it was time. <laughs> yeah. But you know how do you how do you wind everything down, finish it appropriately, so you don't get sued? Um, you know because I'm under contract sure. and I'm involved, so I I, w- I I had to finish the jobs and and uh, make everybody happy before I could walk away. And then, of course, I 
you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, you know, winding it down was was a problem, but I had to do it. Well, uh, in your case, it was a good problem to have. So, <laughs> exactly, yeah, I agree. All right, so Dan, let's let's get into this run. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not so much interested in the rules. The you know, you buy here, sell here. This is how you size your positions. I mean, that's all very important stuff. But uh, I think you would probably agree with me that. Uh, if you had a very basic simple that made money and you printed the rules of that system uh, in the Wall Street Journal for anyone to read, uh, few people would still make money with that system because few people have the fortitude to stick with the plan whenever you hit that inevitable rough patch. Would you agree with me on that? Uh, totally. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. And, and, and people just don't realize that after every good run, there's going to be a tough period of time. They're not prepared. They don't want to hear about it. Uh, it's all they want to hear about is the money and, and, and the glory. That's right. <laughs> all right. So what I'm really interested in is I want to know what kind of mental uh, and emotional roller coaster you must have went through. I mean, uh, as good of a thing as it is to, uh, you know, turn 10 grand into a million and then 8 million and then 40 or whatever you eventually took it. I mean, that's great, but few people have experienced that. And I imagine that that threw a whole lot of wrenches into your your lifestyle, into your personal finances. I mean, can, can you walk us through what that what those first few months were like when all of a sudden the light turned on and you were just rolling in money? Well, you're, you're, I think you're going to be a little bit shocked. You know, I, I had uh, you know when when I was first started with the hundred thousand, I turned it into four hundred forty thousand. I had lots of emotional roller coaster rides. Um, pick up a hundred thousand in a couple of months or in a couple of weeks. Uh, by the way, I turned that hundred into four forty in six months, and it was downhill f- for the next six years. So you know, I, I can remember uh, driving up to Mammoth Lakes from California to go skiing, and and I was counting. Oh, I'm going to get a Ferrari for this. I'm going to buy a home over there. I had so many emotional roller coasters. I was spending money before the money came in. Actually, you know, and uh, then the money, you know, then you lose. You lose uh, focus on the market and what the market is trying to tell you. So then you lose your money. And uh, so I remembered this very well that I was already spending money and, and having glorious uh, fantasies about new lifestyle, cars, riches. And I was actually multiplying. Well, if I made 100000 or 200000 this year, maybe I'll make 600 next year. Maybe I'll make $2 million the year after. And I'm going to have this fantasy and glorious lifestyle. And the next thing I know, the carpet's pulled out from under me. Market goes into correction, and I get hammered. So I remember when I actually finally went bust, um, I had a, a complete sea change in attitude. I would not look at my account. I would never, ever up my lifestyle. I would never dream about anything other than exactly the task in front of me and that's making sure I made money and get out before the stocks turn down I people called me you're the ice man you know it's uh, I, I never ever spent a dime that I bought one Mercedes after I cleared my first million uh, which you know was an improvement over the truck but I, I I never ever did anything else I was so committed to just watching the market ups and downs and never have you know if you made a big day you know one day i made five million dollars in one day uh on a big 
big, you know, I mean, stocks were moving, you know, 30, 40, 60 dollars in a day back then. Sure. And, and sometimes they would do, you know, anywhere from from uh, 30 dollars to 180 in five days. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, the list is long how many times these stocks would move. You know, nothing phased me. I never went out and bought dinner. I didn't buy a good bottle of wine. I, I was just emotionless about the money and the finances. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I totally flipped it around, and I would never allow the money to enter into anything. Okay. And that, I think, was the key to my success, was was being ready for, for when anything would break down or start getting sloppy. I wanted to make sure I was out and making sure I, I, I was more focused on to staying completely focused on the charts and had no time to spend money, no time to think about it, nothing. I can remember being at a nursery buying some plants for a job. I had my little quote track machine, you know, the little handheld device. And I was very fearful of getting in the market, but so many stocks were taking off. And my first trade was uh, Inc. to me, which Yahoo later bought, but uh, the stock was trading at 44. And uh, I remember buying 400 shares. That was the technical buy area back then, or the TBA, as I, as I like to call it. And the stock, uh, you know, was... Uh, was getting hit early in the morning, ran up to like 45 and a half, and then it reversed down to 44. And so I refused to take a loss at that point. So came back to 44, I'm out. Just because that's where I bought it at, and I didn't want it to go any lower. I didn't want to get back in that situation, just starting with 10,000 bucks again. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm on margin. I, I just basically bought everything. I put everything I had in that one stock, but I'm going to be in and out. I'm not going to take a loss. Later in the after mid-afternoon, the stock starts creeping up again. Shoots up to, uh, um, oh, it must have gotten to about 46 and a half this time. So I'm back in. As soon as it cleared a new high during the day, I'm back in the stock. And it just it just started to stall out again as soon as I bought it. So I, I, made, I didn't give the stock more than 20 minutes, and I was out. I can remember driving back to my office. It was getting late in the day. Of course, the market closed at 1 o'clock back on the West Coast. And the stock started to get some action late in the day. You know, institutions do a lot of buying late in the day. And it's a more or less retail trade that buys in the morning late in the afternoon the last half hour of the day all of a sudden ink to me started really getting some serious volume now the stock is starting to hit new highs for the day now it's up to 48 and i'm like you know if i don't buy it and the thing gaps up tomorrow i'll shoot myself <laughs> <laughs> you know and i'll be damned if i buy it at 48 and it collapses down to 44 in the morning i, I was at you know, I didn't really know what to do. And I said, you know, you just got to go. The whole market has turned. You've just got to get in this thing. So I, I, I actually bought it at 48 at the close. The next morning, it opens like at 58, gaps up. And two days later, it's at like $92. Wow. And I sold out. And then DoubleClick did the same thing. It just doubled in two days. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't more than a couple of weeks before I had doubled my portfolio and then I had doubled it again and I, I was quickly up to a hundred thousand bucks in a couple of months from ten thousand and then typically summertime you, you typically get into big corrections and I had some Amazon Amazon had started to base out and then you know the market typically broke back then it was more um, you you could tell seasonal factors uh, the market would turn on a certain date that was pretty well known it's less so now because it's too well known but uh, July came around and and, and Amazon broke down um, so I shorted Amazon and I had made a hundred percent gain in my portfolio just shorting Amazon and then the, this went on for a couple three or four weeks 
uh, while I'm holding the stock short as it's collapsing. The market put in a bottom run in October of uh, 98, and then I went went long and everything, and then everything took off. Yahoo, CMGI, Amazon, they just exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was you know another 100% gain, another 150, 200%. Now I'm compounding. Uh, it was just staggering how things would just explode and run. I mean, and big, big moves. It was, you know, and then you get into a, another market correction, taking stocks down. You know, you get hit a little bit, um, you know, but you have to get out. Um, AOL routinely saw 50% corrections during this time. You know, CMGI, everything, these things would take huge hits. And then they would just put in a bottom, turn around and start screaming right back. And then there were many other stocks, a lot of IPOs that were roaring. So it was just constantly whipping stocks around. People say, well, you must have been on on, uh, on options. I, I didn't – I never bought any options. I never started making money in stocks till I quit doing <laughs> options. So for me, it was margin, margin, and margin. And there were a couple of times where I sold naked calls and the stock collapsed. One instance was um, CMGI had a triple top in uh, – April of, uh, 1999, it failed its triple top breakout. So I sold uh, the uh, 160 calls for $33 premium. The stock was at 152. Failed the uh, the triple top breakout, and the stock just plunged from there. That $32 in premium just evaporated down to a dollar within about three weeks, and I I, I uh, covered the calls and made $31. I cleared a million dollars just on selling the naked calls there. Wow. Um, I did that a couple of times, uh, quite successfully, and one time not successfully. So I was going to say, that was a... got to be very careful on that. I even had the, I had my account at Goldman Sachs back then. I even had the risk department calling me up, telling me how crazy I was. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, being short naked calls during that time period was uh, certainly had to be a white-knuckle experience. <laughs> Well, you know, um, for me, I felt very comfortable because the stock stocks had already failed. The one time that it went against me was when uh, SDLI was bought out by JDSU, and the stock gapped up like twenty dollars on the news, and uh, that one stung pretty good. But uh, <laughs> those are the only uh, calls uh, or options I did. I think it was three sets. Two were two were massively favorable, and one one went against me. So, um, other than that, it was just margin on stocks uh, the full time or shorting. Uh, on that one one time that I was telling you about. What a magical time it was when you could enter a position or a handful of positions that all have gigantic runs. You you identify the top or you get near the top and you, you exit your position. And then instead of like being like, okay, well, that's it. Market's going to correct now. No, you just take that money and you rolled it into some new stock, a new sector that was the next one to go. And it just it kind of one followed another, I mean, for a series of weeks and months. I mean, it lasted for a good two, three years like that, right? Uh, uh, yeah, it was 25 months actually. Um, but you know, the internet sector was the strongest group in the market, the number one leading uh, group in the market for the longest period of time I could ever remember any group leading the market. Usually, a group may get hot for three or four months, and then it'll, you know, w- once it gets hot and everybody knows about it, it just falls out of favorability and will will drop back four or five, fifteen. Uh, you know, in fifteenth place, and something else will come up. But the internet sector stayed the number one sector. Well, from February of uh, 1998 uh, up until about started to really fade out, um, starting in October of 99, 
finished off its full run around uh, January 1st, January 2nd of 2000, but biotech stocks had really picked up, uh, especially uh, gene sequencing stocks, PDLI and, and a couple of others took off in October, and they really finished off the move. Of course, some of the fibers were doing very well too, and uh, but they all just plunged uh, from March 10th, and that was actually the top I called on my website uh, at that particular time. So um, it wasn't surprising. I was totally out of the market when the market plunged on March 10th. That was a vicious plunge. Going back and looking at those charts is something else. Oh, it, Even to this, so scary. I uh, well, I was on the flip side of that. Uh, I, I worked at a prop trading firm at that time, uh, so there was like 40 guys in my office, and uh, you know, sounded like you at the time were predominantly a long-only trader. Um, the guys in my office, we we went both ways, and in fact, we preferred down markets. We did better shorting stocks, and so uh, that break in March of 2000, uh, that that next three or four months were some of the most profitable months for everybody in our office because we were shorting everything on the way down. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But the boy, but boy, the moves were big. So whatever, when, as long as you were on the right side of the trend doing the right thing, you were raking in the cash. Absolutely. It was, uh, I mean, look, markets repeat. We'll see something like that again sometime, hopefully in our lifetime, because I'd like to trade that again. Uh, I, I'm ready, <laughs> but it's it's going to be a long time. I mean, man. I mean, think about the difference in the mentality just of John Q. Public between then and now. I mean, back then, everybody was talking about the stock market. I mean, your grandmother was talking about the stock market. Your mom, your your grocer, your cab driver. Everybody had an interest. Everybody was trading a hot internet stock. Uh, That's right. uh, it, it's not like that at all now. There are a few people outside of my trading friends talk to me about the stock market. I would agree. Uh, things have changed uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, you know, certainly the movement ha is far different because earnings have exhausted themselves and revenue growth has exhausted itself because everybody's employed. There's no, no new growth, you know. Europe's turning up a little bit, maybe some China, you know, the BRIC countries have fallen back. There's this and that. There's just no growth out there to be had right now and interest rates aren't moving around to move things around and it's people are a lot more cautious. No one really wants to take on assets like they used to. You and I are talking now. It's late April. Um, tax season just ended. Uh, I, I, did you ever run into any unique challenges around tax time when you had that big run? Because I, I, I imagine you had never had to deal with numbers of that magnitude before. Uh, was it a tax nightmare? You know, um, somebody that I knew um, actually turned me on to an extremely bright accountant who I still use today, and he has guided me through everything. Thankfully, I got him in the very beginning of the stock market bubble. I switched over from a longtime friend of mine. This guy had more knowledge of, of how to do things, uh, payments, you know. And I knew when market breaks were coming. I, I was more versed in market breaks and seeing them coming than ever before. And I'd seen so many of them now, uh, over, you know, from, from trading and had been so cleaned out. I was well out of the market before things got really tough. Even though I still had drawdowns of 15 20% at the beginning of a correction, when you start getting size, big size, it, you know, 100,000 shares, 200,000 shares, 90,000, it's far different to trade than when you have 500 shares or 3,000. So you've got to be out sooner. 
and you've got to start doing some accumulation sooner when the market bottoms and starts to turn up as well. One of the things that I knew is that the people had made a lot of money in 1999 and when 2000 came the market took off because Y2K was was a total hoax and Greenspan was pumping and uh, you know pumping the banks filled with cash and and people were um, piling into the market there was a tremendous amount of shorts being covered and I, I think they thought it was just going to go on forever and the market plunged on March 10th of uh, 2000 it cleaned out a lot of people they didn't even have enough money to pay their taxes I know a lot of people who could not pay their taxes they went broke on the big plunge from 5,000 on the Nasdaq to 3,000 in just a week or so. It was staggering. Isn't that amazing? You could have such a profitable 1999, and then when the tax bill comes, <laughs> the, the first three months of 2000 took all that money away, and now you got nothing to show that, for it. Exactly. I, I have a. I know a girl who uh, made a lot of money, a couple of million dollars, and then lost all of it in in that market break because she was on margin. And couldn't pay the tax man, and uh, the IRS created a, a special uh, uh, law or, or you know, way for these people to pay it back over a ten-year period of time. And if you couldn't pay it back in ten years, then it was dismissed. Hmm. Uh, it was a unique situation. Um, anyway, she she lost everything, unfortunately. And she had made quite a bit. Um, but yeah, it, it, tax season when when there's a big profit out there and there's tax season, people need to pull money out of their accounts to pay. Um, you know, that'll draw down the market. Um, so you'll you usually see uh, some selling in the market right right before tax season as people need to pull out money to pay. Strangely, we didn't see it this year. Probably because the market uh, was net uh, sideways all of last year. That's right. It's probably the cause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so Dan, I read somewhere, and I don't have the exact numbers here in front of me, but uh, after your phenomenal run, the record breaking run. Uh, you then went on to suffer a, a significant loss. I did. And, uh, was yeah. it somewhere in the neighborhood of 70% or something like that? It's probably in the neighborhood of 70, maybe a little less. Okay. Uh, but probably plus or minus. I mean, I, I, I you know, again, I, I don't really look at my account that closely because it affects me, your trading. Sure. Now, was this 70-ish percent drawdown a function of the fact that you had ridden a lot of big winners up, and you let a lot of them retrace uh, significantly. You still took profits off the table with these trades, but you gave back a significant amount of the profits. Or was this a just a situation where you were just grinding it out and just you know hit you just hit a rough patch where you were just cranking out losing trades after losing trades? Well, it, it's a combination of many things. First of all, um, I had thought that the market had bottomed in. Um, September of 2000 after the big plunge and Greenspan was starting to cut interest rates and usually October through April is the strongest period of time so the stock start my stock started to move started to move back up or these stocks started to move back up I, I, I wouldn't say my stocks because I don't really hold them that long but market has started to firm up and, and I figured we we're coming into October after a long summer break, so to speak, pardon the pun there, uh, <laughs> it, it was pretty tough, um, you know, and I was buying, uh, you know, various stocks, Newport, uh, what was it, it was all fiber optic stocks, uh, SDLI, JDSU, Qualcomm, I had started to, things were starting to break out and running, you know, as we were coming up into earnings, I remember loading up 100,000 shares of uh, 
what was it, one of these fiber optic companies that just bought the damn thing at 100 as it was clearing 100, usual resistance. And as and soon as the market closed, Nortel Networks, who's no longer in business, said that business was drying up and that they were going to miss earnings. Every single stock I had owned, and I owned quite a few shares at the time, gapped down immediately after hours $20. Wow. Right across the board. The only thing that didn't – anything in the fiber space gapped down. The things that didn't gap down were like software companies that were not related to fiber optics. And so uh, I, to say I, I, did, I didn't get much sleep that night, but the <laughs> next morning, the first thing I started to do was sell everything that wasn't down. Right. And then I was waiting for any bounce I could find on, uh, on these other fiber stocks. Not a single bounce to be found. Straight down. They opened like uh, Newport – Opened at one, I closed at one fifty-five. Opened at like one thirty. Every two hundred shares, I just bought fifty-five thousand shares of that company too. Every two hundred shares I sell was dropping the price fifty cents. Wow! By the time I had gotten out of my fifty-five thousand shares, that stock was under a hundred. It took me two days to chip out. I couldn't get out. That was a such a unique time in the markets, and you know, you you hear people throw the word bubble around today, like uh, like it's a common thing. But but a lot of a lot of active traders today. I mean, it's been fifteen, sixteen years since that bubble burst, and, and a lot of people really haven't seen what a real bubble looks like. And and uh, that Agreed. I mean. From nineteen, what I'd say, nineteen ninety seven to two thousand one, those moves in the market, we have not seen anything like that since. Well, I mean, to be exact, it was uh, uh, soon as President Clinton signed in the uh, tax exclusion for uh, internet in February of uh, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, in other words, you you could sell your stuff uh, online and you didn't have to collect your taxes for for the sale. It was up to the person who purchased it to uh, be responsible, a, use, a user tax, a use tax. Right. And uh, at that, that's when the internet bubble exploded, as soon as Clinton signed in the law. And then we didn't end the bubble, even though there was some rotation. Uh, internet stocks died uh, right around uh, the 1st of uh, uh, January 2000, but it was the biotech stocks that really continued and lifted it through March 10th of 2000. Um, so that was really the... the uh, the length of the bubble was the signing on February of, nine, of uh, 1998 and then March 10th of 2000. So it was just uh, over 24 months long, the bubble. Yeah. All right. So when you were in the midst of that uh, significant pullback, that 70-ish percent uh, pullback in, in, the, in, the late, in late 2000, was there any point in you or was there any thoughts going on in your head like, oh, no, here I go again. I'm going to repeat the mistakes I made in the early 90s, giving back all these profits. Uh, did you ever have those thoughts creeping into, into your head? Of course. Absolutely. And there was just nothing you could do. You were helpless at the time. You know, when you when, when I must have dropped 20 million on that market break. Wow. Um, that I was talking about with Nortel there, that that took a significant chunk, and then of course the the bear market you know didn't end until March of 2003, and it took 80 percent of the Nasdaq down from 51.32 down to like 11 11.80. It took three years, and you had significant uh, snapbacks uh, during that three-year bear market as we dropped. I mean, stocks would make violent moves to the upside. I can remember shorting stocks. 
they, you know, on a technical break, and then they like, I shoot, I shorted brocade like thirty thousand shares at two twelve one day, and the next day they they announced a new server, and the stock gapped up to two forty and ran to two fifty five. By the time I got out, I was so crushed on the on a short squeeze. So you think you're doing the right thing, but the but the news comes in and still would power the stock, and you don't know where it's going to stop. It could have been at three hundred. I remember shorting eBay once. Uh, the day before earnings stock was acting very heavy. It didn't short a lot. Uh, stock was at uh, uh, closed at two thirty, two hundred thirty dollars that night. They they earnings were a penny better than expected, and they were expecting two cents. They made three cents. The stock opened the next morning at three hundred and five. <laughs> a seventy-five point gap opening. I mean, we just don't see that stuff. <laughs> and an occasional biotech once in a while is being bought out or something. Sure. You know, you see it, but it's this was pretty common back then. It's very um, common. It was almost every day. At least some something one stock something. or one sector of stocks would be gapping up huge because of just because of some news item. Exactly, it was unbelievable. It, the, the, it was in, it, it was insane, and everybody's shorting. And people are going broke because they have no earnings, they have no revenues, and um, you know, it's just so many things. Uh, it was such a fun time. Um, you know, and everybody would jump. You know, back then uh, you, you didn't really have the uh, the level two. I don't really use level two, but back then it was very popular. If you saw Goldman Sachs buying something, everybody jumped on the stock. If Goldman's buying, you had to own that stock. Today they they mask who they are. You know, with Arca and, and all these other. Oh yeah. So the level two isn't what it used to be. Well, you're uh, you're totally talking about the game that I was playing at that time in the late '90s, early 2000s. We were the level two traders trading Nasdaq stocks, and and absolutely we were paying attention not only to a price action, but we were paying attention to who was buying and who is who. Absolutely. Who's the guy sitting on the offer there? If it's Goldman, okay, I'm get I'm getting out or I'm getting short. I'm not fighting Goldman. <laughs> You better believe it. That they were the big dog on the street back then. Yeah. Everybody, everybody ran with with Goldman. It was they 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 were so powerful. It was amazing. Yeah. All right. So you know you brought up another uh, interesting point too. That's probably worth discussing is uh, because we haven't seen one in so long. But uh, a true bear market. Um, the the thing that everybody thinks about about a bear market is oh well mar- the stocks go down. Stocks are trending down. The markets are just. Down, down, down. And yes, that's true. But one thing that is forgotten about, and certainly will catch a lot of newer traders by surprise next time we get into a real bear market, is some of the best and most fierce rallies the markets ever see happen during bear markets. That's exactly right. Is they just they think it's the start of a new bull market, and they're all in, and then they just pull the rug out from under your feet after two or three weeks, and, and they just collapse from that point forward. It's a uh, it's uh, it's it's shocking. Um, it's a uh, you know it's a surprise and it's a huge problem for everybody. Absolutely. So all right. So it's two thousand one, two thousand two. The bear the bear market is 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 in it, getting getting into its waning months. But you've suffered a big drawdown. Uh, is there anything that you did that you can recall that was maybe unique this time that helped you uh, weather that storm and come back? better and smarter and stronger for for the next for the next run well you know it's you know every move in the market is a learning experience and if you don't take something away from every move in the marketing and go back and look at how it started what it looked like what stocks were behaving like maybe you see them rotating into big caps and out of nasdaq stocks which is kind of what we're seeing today the S&P and the Dow are at new highs. The Nasdaq's breaking uh, to the right, well, well off of highs. Um, 
you know, that kind of rotation uh, signals that there's a flight to safety. You know, big, big strong markets are when the NASDAQ is leading and, and you're into more speculative names. So um, you have to, you know, kind of get a handle on this. The, uh, you know, the big mar- breakdown, meltdown of 208, you saw a lot of money running, running into big caps, especially Dow stocks. And NASDAQ and everything else was already starting to fail. So, you know, when you see Dow stocks moving uh, and nothing else is moving, you, you know big money is running for cover. Sure. So, you know, th- these are things that you, you really need to uh, hone your skills on. You really have to look around and see what's moving. Why is it moving? Where are the divergences? You know, what normally runs when the market runs? Uh, you know, um, where's, where's the money flowing when, in the good times? And, and where does it flow when things are beginning to turn? So, you know, these are things that take time to understand and you'll, you'll, you'll pick it up, but you have to focus and, you know, uh, people say even today, you know, well, how come, when was the last time you were 100% invested? I say like, oh, it was 2013, you know, um, we had Facebook running big, you know, and you had the big names, you had Apple running big, big runs, uh, but now it's, you just have nothing, everything's pretty much expired, a couple of snapbacks, uh, you had a Shake Shack make a nice run, a GoPro, those expired. Um, you know, once they doubled in price, that was the end of it. And they've since collapsed, uh, you know, 70, 80, 90 percent, which is pretty normal. Does it feel like to you that uh, we're talking now in April of 2016, uh, do you feel like the market has, has had its run and we're due for some sideways or some consolidation or even some pullback? Or what's your, th- what's your thought? Uh, well, the best time to really markets really take off is when everybody's unemployed earnings and revenues have collapsed and the fed and congress is doing everything they can to get everybody back to work so you have maybe unemployment at seven eight nine percent and then uh everybody gets to work to getting everybody back to work earnings have collapsed so that's the best time to start getting into stocks and the worst time is after everybody's pretty much fully employed of course, you know, there's a lot of controversy now whether we have full employment uh, or not. Of course, we have a lot of people who are just retired and, and just aren't want, willing to go back to work and wages have collapsed or they'd rather take a Social Security check. And, you know, times are a little bit different, but still pretty much everybody's employed or almost there. And the Fed's, you know, got no place to lower rates, so to speak. Um I don't see much upside. I see, I do see low interest rates putting a floor under the market because, um, you know, the ten-year yield is, I think, just a hair under what the Dow or S&P 500 stocks are yielding. So stocks are yielding a little bit more, and that helps to support the market. If that starts to change, interest rates back up, inflation kicks up. I think you could then see the market get into a a much bigger uh, uh, correction, shall we say, a 20, 30% move down. Some are calling for a little bit more. But right now it's the 10-year, and, and that's supporting the market. Okay. Well, Dan, going back, one thing I'm fascinated about about you in particular is that it sounds like, as an independent trader, you've been a self-starter pretty much the whole way. Um, I, I know you mentioned... Uh, William O'Neill and Investors Business Daily as being a great uh, resource for you to got you interested in the markets and, and taught you a lot about how markets work. Uh, and, and I agree with you. Uh, they, they, William O'Neill and IBD was the gateway drug for me as well. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a great place to, to get your feet wet, to kind of get an understanding how things work. Um, I For me, I haven't picked up, uh, you know, 
anything of substance uh, in maybe 15 years from IBD. Once you get to know the market and how, how everything works and, and you put the homework in, you're, you're basically pulling up a list that, you know, has, you know, a lot of top stocks and there's just no reason to, to listen to, you know, someone else and to pay that kind of money. Sure. Um, but it just takes a long time, but it's a great starter source. Absolutely. Not a reprogramming of your brain is a must and and that is the best reprogramming uh, device I've ever seen. And certainly the book How to Make Money in Stocks is where it's at. That's that's the go-to uh buy. I think I've read that book not all of it, but most of it 35 times. Wow. I yeah. I too have that book on my bookshelf. Yeah. Uh, I haven't read it 35 times, but I've definitely uh, reread it many times. <laughs> many chapters, many sections, you, you know, you Wait six months, you go back and you read read uh, many parts of it again. You know, every three months you got to pick it up and go through. I mean, you know, oh, it's all right there. It's right there. We talked about it. I, I don't know why I don't remember that he talked about it. You know, so um, it it just takes time. Everything is there. It just takes time for you to remember it. Sure. Uh, I'm curious to know uh, during your formative years uh, and, and during maybe some of your your pullbacks. Uh, did did you ever seek out any other mentors or mentorship or any books that you uh, recall uh, that had a profound effect on you? I would have to say no. I, everything is just in the charts. You just have to look at the charts. More, there is more information in every daily bar that you look at than you can imagine. You putting you know you put combinations of bars together. You put in a few various indexes. Uh, you know, maybe you go to a weekly on uh, on a couple of uh, big charts, or you know, um, you, maybe you look at a monthly. Uh, you know, the big indexes, how long they've moved. You know, what are interest rates doing? Pretty much everything is right there. There's really nothing else you need. You just have to do the homework. You write your own book. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how you really get tough. You really learn a lot. That's the line right there. You just got to write your own book. Exactly. I love it. Well, Dan, I've, uh, again, this is one of those things that I've, I've read on the internet, and I don't know whether or not to believe it's true, but um, I, one thing I read about you was that uh, you are, uh, you spend pretty much all of your free time focused in researching the markets. Is that, is, is that a fair statement? That's, that's a pretty, pretty clear and accurate statement. Okay. Well, I have to ask, there has to be some downtime. Uh, what, when you do indulge yourself and have some, some downtime, uh, what do you like to do to decompress? Where do you, where are your interests outside of the market? Well, when I, you know, my back is feeling better. I like to get out on the golf course. Uh, I do like golf. I like tennis sports. Uh, you know, uh, I like dinners out and, uh, you know, jumping on the jet and taking off someplace. Um, you know, it's for me. I can still do the market while I'm on the plane. So, you know, I can study stock charts while I'm on the plane. I land, you know, or go to Pebble Beach or something like that, or go to Seattle, um, have dinner with friends. Uh, you know, two three days, turn around, come back, go hit the links in Vegas. Uh, I don't like the tables because uh, either do I. Well, because the stock market's a better better gambling mecca than uh, <laughs> than Vegas. Vegas, right? I'm so, totally with you. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm located in Boulder, Colorado. If you ever want to take the jet up here and play some golf, I'd love to have you. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> yeah. So you know, and I'm building a house. I, I spend an enormous amount of time going over the blueprints, the plans, the space, uh, all the mistakes the architect has made. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> so that's a big thing of mine. And uh, you know, just basically, you know, 
it's full time. You know, running chart pattern is a massive job to, to take the responsibility to make sure that you get the best stocks out there and to make sure people understand that they're rookies. They're going to get hit. You know, when I go to cash, you know, maybe it's a good idea for you to go to cash and I let them know or the market's too choppy to be fully invested. Maybe you're 20 percent invested. So yeah, chart pattern takes an awful lot of my time. And it's it's really is one of the great loves of my life. And I've built it up. I've been running it for 20 years. So, um, you know, continue to uh, do it for many more years. Well, Dan, uh, your accomplishments in the market are uh, a major inspiration, not only to myself, but to anybody who's come across your story. Uh, that's uh, both a good thing and a bad thing, <laughs> I think. I yeah, think I agree. It's, there are many people that want to, to do what I do, what I have done, or at least have the freedom to, to not have a job, and they didn't put the time in, and they didn't really understand, and they believed, or they did options, you know, and they just got hammered. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, for the pros and cons of that, I mean, uh, certainly the pro is uh, it's good to know that if you're willing to put in the time and the effort and you also get to match all that up with the right market environment, truly astounding returns can happen in the stock market. And you are proof positive that that is out there, that it's out yes. there for anybody if you're willing to do the work. Yeah. Uh, the and, and you have to be in the right market. You just can't be doing the right work and be in a bad bad market like uh, pretty much we are right now. It's very choppy right now. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's like that old saying, right? Uh, uh, you got to create your own luck. If you do all the hard work and do all the right things, and then the quote unquote lucky market comes along, well, then you've uh, then you've hit the jackpot right there. That's right. Uh, and then to finish my thought on the pros and cons, uh, certainly the cons are when you get a lazy person coming to the stock market, you know, allured by the uh, fantastic riches that are available to anybody with a laptop and a, a wireless internet connection from the beach. <laughs> That's right. Uh, they see numbers like yours, like, see, hey, I could do this. Anybody can do this. And uh, it certainly attracts sometimes the the wrong mental states uh, into our market. But you know what? Those are the people that, that provide the profits for for guys like you, right? <laughs> well, yes, yeah, like I say, you know, they're here to take your money, not give you money. Well, Dan, this has been fantastic. It's been great to get to know you a little bit. I've uh, never had a chance to speak with you before, so um, great to learn more about your story. And uh, and we certainly appreciate uh, you, uh, you know, being a participant in Stock Twits and and, and sharing uh, your market insights, what you're seeing in the in the market every day. Uh, it's certainly valuable, and I know I. Uh, retweet a lot of your messages a lot and, and re, uh, engage with you and your team so um, thank you for that and uh, thank you for being an inspiration to me and to a lot of other uh, traders out there and uh, um, hey it's it's just it's awesome to know uh, what's what's possible in, in the market well it was my pleasure and uh, you know I thought you were a good interviewer so I think everything worked out for the best <laughs>